There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, guys? The week number 10 preview of the fourth phase is here. And uh, we got uh, 14 matchups uh, to talk about uh, this week with the uh, four teams on the bye, and that would be Kansas City, the Rams, the Dolphins, and the Eagles. So uh, three first-place teams and the Rams uh, have the week off. So we got 14 games, which means four in our pick six, 10 in the all-out blitz as usual. Um, No news and notes, so we pretty much won't be talking about anything going on around the league. Nothing intriguing uh, has happened, but we will break down uh, the pick'em standings and see where everybody stands after the first half of the season has concluded. So we'll find out who our first half champ is, who's in the top 10, and everything else. So let's go ahead and get started. This is the Week 10 preview episode of the fourth phase. So let's get to it. Welcome to the fourth phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. First half of the season in the books, nine weeks done, nine weeks left to go. So week 10 kicks off the second half of the season. We got the Bears and the Panthers kicking things off today on Thursday Night Football. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm not all at the same time because my beloved are wearing the worst uniforms in the history of the NFL, and there's been some pretty trashy unis out there. They're wearing the orange helmets with the orange jerseys. And it's not. It's like I've always hated the orange jerseys. I absolutely loathe that helmet. The orange helmet with the blue C and the white trim, it looks so tacky. And it looks so secondhand, you know, it's just, it's awful. Just absolutely awful. It's way too much orange. Orange is a complementary color, in my opinion. Not really so much a primary color, or at least that that shade of orange is complementary. It's a secondary color. It's not the one that should be leading the charge. It's just not. Because I know we have a few orange teams like Cleveland and, and Cincinnati. Cincinnati has a lot more red. Uh, in their orange, so it's more of a red-orange uh, kind of thing. Uh, the Browns, they pair that that red, that orange with the with the brown, and it works uh, for the most part. So not the prettiest combo, but that particular shade works uh, pretty well. But, uh, you know, and I love the blue and orange of the Bears. I absolutely do. The, the, the dark, the, the blue helmets, the orange C, the white trim, that's classic. You know, best union in sports, in my opinion. But it just, ooh, when they try to flip it and go alternate, it's just, it's so bad. I, I'd, I'd really just prefer they wear the, uh, the, the throwbacks, the 1936 
uh, unis with the, the the Michigan Wolverine stripes uh, on the helmet. I mean, it's that's a even with the the Pippi Longstocking socks works a hell of a lot better than going all orange. It's it's just an abomination uh, of a uniform combo. It's just awful. And uh, yeah, so there's my rant on the uh, orange uniforms. Um, I promise I won't talk about it again because. The Bears and the Panthers, for one reason or another, made the made the cut in the pick six. We'll be talking about them a little bit more in depth here uh, in a few moments. Other big matchups uh, we have in the pick six: Houston at Cincinnati. That's more about you know Houston than it is about Cincinnati. To be be honest with you, it's uh, you know can since can Houston step up? Can they build off of that win, that comeback win they had over Tampa uh, last week? Cincinnati is one four in a row they are on a roll and playing like their AFC championship selves uh again especially Joe Burrow San Francisco and Jacksonville that's a very interesting game just on the face of it never mind the records uh between the two teams and in Cleveland and Baltimore not only is that a divisional matchup it's a rematch because they faced off in uh week four and Baltimore took Cleveland to the woodshed in Cleveland so We'll get more in depth uh, with that. So, yeah, lots to uh, get to. But before we do, let's go ahead and talk about our Pick'em game since we don't have uh, any news or notes uh, this time around. Uh, Fields of Dreams still on top of our leaderboard. So I guess he would be our first half champion. 785 points on a 92 and 44 record, uh, the only one among us who's broken 90 wins uh, so far. Uh, JoJo still in second place, but the gap between the two is 22 points uh, right now. JoJo at 763 on an 87 and 49 record. Uh, Afalava at 749 and 84 and 52. Uh, S. Van Horn in fourth place, 737 on an 82 and 54 record. Agent Orange jerseys. I bet you're loving it this week, Mr. Funny Man. 735 points on 84 and 52. Uh, C.A. Zoid, 732 on 87 and 49. Tanyoka, 732, 84 and 52. Um, McCubin, looks like you're falling down the leaderboard, bro. What's the deal? 730 on 83 and 53. Secret Bajant Man, 708 at 79 and 57. And then myself. I made the top 10. I finished in the top 10 at the halfway mark, 705 at 78 and 58. And there's your top 10 for the first nine weeks of the season. Looking at the performance in week nine, we had a tie for the top point getters this week. We had Afalava, 94 points, and my mom. Mom won the week with 94 points as well. That's the second time this year that uh, she has topped the leaderboard. Same for Afalava, also uh, has been a week a weekly champion. Afalava 102 in week number three and tied with Mom for 94 this week. Mom, um, with our top point total for the season at 119 in week number four. And also uh, winning a week number nine at 94 points along with 
awful lot. So outstanding job, the two of you, and congrats, Mom. So, yeah, we got an interesting week for week number 10. And, uh, you know, like I said, we started Thursday with the Bears and the Panthers. You got Colts, Patriots, Saints, Vikings, Packers, Steelers, Titans, Bucks, uh, Falcons, and Cardinals. That's an interesting one because Kyler Murray uh, is supposed to be back uh, this Sunday. Lions and Chargers. Can the Chargers keep this thing going uh, against Detroit? And Detroit is well-rested coming off of the uh, bye and uh, a big win over the, uh, the Raiders on Monday Night Football. The Giants and the Cowboys having a rematch of their 40 to nothing drubbing in the first week of the season on Sunday Night Football. Uh, the Cowboys getting beat by the Eagles last week. The Giants, I mean, if we thought it was bad in week one, with the Giants where they're at now, it could be, it could be even worse. I mean, that's, I just... Yeah, they're going to be trotting out Donnie Tommy, Tommy DeVito, an undrafted rookie free agent quarterback as their starter because it doesn't sound like Tyrod Taylor's coming back anytime soon from the rib injury. Daniel Jones is done for the season with an ACL uh, injuries. It's just the hits just keep on coming uh, with the Giants. Commander Seahawks and Jets Raiders on Sunday Night Football. Bills Broncos to wrap everything up for the week on Monday. So interesting uh, schedule that we have in front of us. So let's go ahead and dive in. We start things off as with our preview episodes, as always, with our pick six for week number 10. Pick six for week number 10. We begin in Chicago, Bears, Panthers, Thursday night football, this is uh, what most people are calling the no one cares but Carolina and Chicago Bowl. And uh, they're not, uh, I mean, they're not wrong. It uh, pretty much is a game that literally only these two fan bases care about uh, at the moment. It's like maybe there's a few people out there that are are interested in this one because, you know, Bryce Young, maybe so So maybe you get some fans watching in, in Tuscaloosa uh, to see how Bryce Young does on uh, national TV. Um, you know, maybe some people that are uh, draft Knicks and, and, you know, trying to see who's going to, which one of these two is going to have the, the higher pick or or whatever, you know, even though the Bears have both of their picks uh, at this point. But, um, yeah, both teams struggling right now. Both teams losing uh, last week. Uh, the Bears to the Saints, the Panthers to the Colts. And um, this is one, actually, you know, I, 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 I talked to Rashad Beard from the Panther Nation uh, podcast to uh, preview the game. He was not optimistic about the Panthers' chances, A, because they've just been playing so badly uh, in the first eight weeks, but mostly because Carolina hasn't really had a chance to put their team on the field uh, this year. You know, they made some bad gambles. Uh, in free agency, Miles Sanders has not been uh, the guy. Chuba Hubbard has been doing most of the running or has been the most productive uh, running back uh, that they have. DJ Chark, when he's been healthy, has not been uh, productive. You haven't heard much from Hayden Hurst. He's basically he lauded Adam Thielen as really like the only guy that they brought in 
that's really kind of been productive and has lived up to his, you know, to to the excitement of actually having him on the team as a tool to be used uh, by uh, by Bryce Young. And, you know, their offensive line has been banged up. And on the defensive side, their secondary is absolutely ravaged by injuries right now. And they're going to be without their absolute best defensive player in uh, Brian Burns. I mean, things have gotten so desperate for Carolina that they literally signed Blake Martinez out of the off the street and out of retirement uh, this week. I mean, this guy's been selling Pokemon cards for the last year and a half. And uh, they're bringing him in to be a uh, to be an uh, an inside linebacker for them, and he might he might actually play on Thursday. That's how uh, desperate the situation is in Carolina because of their uh, injury situation. So you know, so so it's like not only are they struggling, but you know they're pulling guys in off the street literally to suit up uh, for them. You know. The Bears, on the other hand, are struggling, but getting healthier by the week. You know, we seem like every week somebody's coming off of uh, off of injured reserve. You know, starting in like week five, we started getting guys back. You know, we we got Tevin Jenkins back, and then we got uh, we got Braxton Jones back uh, last week. We're getting Khalil Herbert, Equinemia St. Brown, and Jaquan Brisker uh, back. Uh, this week also possibly Josh Blackwell as well depending on how many roster moves the Bears end up making when they bring all these guys back on to the uh, when they when they activate them to the roster and everything uh, the one mystery that has been solved or has appeared to be solved is Justin Fields he has been practicing uh, this week he has been limited and is listed as doubtful after Wednesday's practice today. So that's where you maybe have a one in four chance uh, of playing. Uh, Matt Eberflus said that they've listed him as doubtful instead of out because, you know, maybe the situation will change. Because he's also kind of designated Justin Fields as day-to-day as opposed to week-to-week as he was uh, before. So apparently Fields is close but he hasn't been cleared to play just yet. The Bears have until 3 tomorrow afternoon to make that final determination, and uh, we'll know for certain if Fields is in or out at that point. But right now, pretty much everybody is uh, planning on having uh, Tyson Bajant for the fourth game uh, in a row to uh, play the uh, quarterback uh, position. Either way, with the Panthers just busted up um, as far as, like, the pass rush and everything, it, I'm, you know, I think it should be an easier night for the Bears. Not an easy night, but an easier uh, night, especially, you know, with the way that, that uh, you know, Carolina's basically been picked clean. Now, their defensive coordinator is a modern-day genius. He's really been getting a lot out of the guys uh, that he's been, you know, been stuck with. Uh, at this point, but losing losing Brian Burns uh, is going to uh, is going to hurt. So we'll see how how much that impacts uh, the game. But I still like the Bears to uh, you know, especially we Khalil Herbert back, we can really get after it 
uh, in the running game with Herbert and uh, Deontay Foreman, uh, get them going, and then use the play actions, the rollouts, and, and everything to get Bajan some clean pockets and, uh, you know, some good looks and get DJ Moore on his uh, his revenge game with uh, with Carolina and see how many uh, – I mean, on the last time the Bears played on Thursday, he had eight catches for 230 and three touchdowns. See if he can roll up the Panthers for something similar to that and, uh, you know, get the Bears uh, their third win uh, of the season. So I think if the Bears win, they drop to fourth uh, on the draft board instead of being three because they'd fall behind. Actually, I think they'd be like five or six now that I think about it because there are a couple of, two win teams that they would fall behind. So the two off the top of my head that I'm thinking about are the Giants and the Patriots. So, and it's like um, Carolina would, would temporarily take over the number one spot at one in uh, one in eight. I believe they would beat out the Cardinals who are number one at the moment. So worst we can be is two after at the end of uh, at the end of the day with Carolina's pick, and I think we would drop temporarily at least, you know, until the the Giants and the Patriots play and lose uh, this weekend, then we would shoot back up the board once again. I believe so. Anyway, I think the Bears are going to come away with the win on Thursday over the Panthers. Give me a fun weekend uh, to enjoy. I'm a, uh, I like the Marvel movies, so I'll, I'll celebrate by going out to check out the, the Marvels this weekend and see if it's as good or bad as some people fear or hope it will be. So Bears will take the Panthers on Thursday, get their third win of the year. <coughs> Houston at Cincinnati. Very, very interesting matchup, and this is more of a, I brought this one in on the pick six as more of a way of uh, kind of asking the question. You know, I, I don't think that Houston has had like turned a corner and they're ready to be an elite team, but this is definitely a big test for them. Uh, they're on the road, and it turns out the Texans are not very good at all on the road this year. They're four and four on the season, they're one and three on the road. And just to show you how bad of a road team they are, they lost in Carolina two weeks ago. They went on the road and lost to a team they really had no business uh, losing to. That's how bad they are on the road. I think their one road win was that big win they had over Jacksonville where they got every break that they could and Jacksonville couldn't do anything right. Um, that's their one uh, road win uh, for the season. The Bengals, on the other hand, are the home team, and they are 3-1 and one at home. You know, they lost their first home game uh, against the uh, Ravens in week two. They've won three straight, including this past Sunday night's big win over the Bills, um, you know, on Sunday night football. And, um, you know, the Texans have been kind of up and down. Uh, they beat Jacksonville and Pittsburgh, and then they lose to Indianapolis and the Panthers. So it's just, you know, but I guess it's it's more important for the Panthers where the game is actually, or excuse me, the, uh, the the Texans, where the game is taking place, you know, three and one at home, one and three on the road. So maybe this game is just kind of picking itself, uh, you know, especially considering Joe Burrow is playing MVP level football 
uh, right now after the slow start, you know, struggling with the calf injury uh, and everything. The Texans are also beat up on defense. They put a couple of guys on IR uh, this week. So asking them to stop and or contain Burrow and company is an extremely tall order, especially for this defense. I don't care how much of a defensive genius D'Amico Ryans uh, might be trying to stop Burrow and Mixon and Chase and Boyd and Higgins. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot, especially when you are shorthanded. And the Texans are extremely shorthanded right now, very beat up on the defensive side. So that's going to put a lot on C.J. Stroud uh, and the offense of the Texans who were extremely one-sided last week. They had about 50 yards rushing in the game, but they got away with it because C.J. Stroud threw for a record 470 yards and five touchdowns. The Bengals are better on defense than the Buccaneers are, or at least they've been playing that way, holding the... uh, Holding the Bills to like, you know, what, 16 points uh, last week. The 49ers to like 14 the week before. So this is a defense that's kind of humming right now to go right along with uh, Joe Burrow and the offense really kind of, uh, you know, plugging right along, uh, especially in the in their three, four-game winning streak uh, that they've had here. That's a lot to put on C.J. Stroud, even though he's uh, – you know, shown so far, he's got the shoulders to carry the weight. But, um, you know, going on the road, facing a former AFC champion, facing an MVP candidate in uh, Joe Burrow and him playing some of his best football right now, I just feel like it's a little bit too much to ask of uh, the Texans. But it would say a lot, you know, if C.J. Stroud comes out and is able to lead the Texans to a win uh, over the Bengals, or at the very least, make it this uh, knock this back and forth knockout knockdown dragout uh, type affair, you know, where they're just going punch for punch uh, with Burrow and the uh, and the Bengals. I don't think it will go down that way. I think maybe it'll be interesting in the first half, but then reality sets in in the second. The Bengals come away with the win to win their fifth straight over the Texans. <laughs> San Francisco and Jacksonville, for me, probably the most interesting game of week number 10. You know, only one game difference between these two teams, but they are on very different paths right now. San Francisco lost three in a row before their bye week uh, last week, and Jacksonville has won five straight, and they're on a mini-bye of the – were they off last week, or was it the mini-bye? No, they were off. They were also off, so both teams – coming off the uh, the bye week, but Jacksonville won five straight before the bye, starting one and two. They're six and two right now. San Francisco five and three, but they were five and oh before losing three straight uh, before their bye. Uh, the Niners added Chase Young uh, to their pass rush during the bye week, and he will make his debut uh, on Sunday. Uh, rumor has it that the Ravens and the Jaguars – the team that he's facing on Sunday, were sniffing around for his services, including my Chicago Bears uh, as well. He was, I think, who we initially talked to Washington uh, about. But um, the Niners need to cut back on the mistakes, which has hurt them mightily uh, in these last several weeks. Brock Purdy went from being 
you know, very efficient and very careful with the ball or, you know, just being good at not turning the football over to being somewhat of a turnover machine uh, during that three-game uh, losing streak. I think he's thrown at least two interceptions in the last two games, you know, against uh, Cincinnati and uh, Minnesota in the Monday night game. And then uh, I don't think he threw interceptions against uh, Cleveland. Maybe. I think maybe he threw one against Cleveland. But it was just like the thing about those three losses with the 49ers was that they got progressively worse. With the forty with the Cleveland game, that was a game they should have won. Purdy put them in, in the position, got them into field goal range in the final moments. They had a chance to kick the game-winning field goal. The rookie kicker, Moody, hooks it to the, the right or hooks it to the left, eight seconds to go. That loses the game. They should have won. Despite it all, they should have won that game against Cleveland. They should have been six and zero. Monday night against the Vikings, they kicked them. You know, they shoot themselves in the foot a few times in the first half. Then you had Purdy's interceptions in the second half, so it was very much a win where they just couldn't get out of their own way. Kept the Vikings in the football game, or actually, I think they were behind the whole game uh, against Minnesota. But nonetheless, it was the mistakes that really did them in. Uh, with the turnovers, the missed field goals, and uh, and everything else. And then you fast forward to that third week against the Bengals, and the Bengals just flat out beat them. You know, obviously, you know, Purdy threw the ball, threw two more interceptions. I think he also had a fumble uh, in that one. So turnovers were killer again. But overall, Burrow was 28 of 32 in that game. You know, he was virtually perfect against the 49ers in that game, I think he had three touchdown passes. I mean, he was just flat out unstoppable. The 49ers had no answer for him. So it goes from you lose a game you should have won to you lost the game more so than your opponent won it to you just got your asses handed to you at home, uh, you know, going into that bye to lose your third straight game. So what I'm actually really more interested in with the 49ers it's not so much can they cut back on the mistakes, can they be smarter uh, with the ball, is that mentally, are they in the right place to bounce back and reclaim you know, their stake as one of the best teams in the NFC? Because there are serious doubts right now after those, after those three losses uh, and everything. But that Chase Young you know, trade is kind of the rich getting richer type thing, adding him to Nick Bosa, the two college teammates from Ohio State are back together again, at least for this nine-game uh, rental uh, to get through the rest of the uh, the season. We'll worry about 2024 when it gets here uh, kind of thing. Will that be, you know, having those two back together, will that be the spark that the 49er defense needs to be dominant like it was earlier uh, in the season when they were winning games on an average like 33-13 to 13? Uh, or something uh, like that. We'll have to uh, we'll have to see. Uh, Trevor Lawrence and company are a very interesting team in the fact that they've won games in all kinds uh, of different ways. They've they've gone out and offensively just you know dominated uh, their opponent and and broke the scoreboard on them. You know I think they scored over thirty points twice uh, against the um, Colts. Uh, in sweeping them uh, this year. Let's take a look here. 
Yeah, 31 points against the Colts. They lose a 17-9 game uh, to the Chiefs. They put up 23 against the Falcons. They had a gritty win in the U.K. over the Bills. 37 points against the Colts. They had that game where they jumped out in front on the uh, Saints and then had to play defense in the second half to hold them off and win. And then you had the the messy, uh, rainy, muddy game against the Steelers just before uh, the bye. So they've, they've figured out different ways to win different games. They kind of um, perform in a way that the game calls for as opposed to every single game goes the same way. Uh, with the text or with the with the Jaguars, so this really feels like this is a game better suited for Jacksonville at the moment. It's also in Jacksonville. We'll see if the uh, the heat and the humidity of of Jacksonville, Florida, will be a factor uh, in this one. I mean, they're the Forty ers are from California. They're no stranger to warm temperatures in uh, November, but uh, I'm sure that they will be a stranger to the deafening and uh, breathtaking humidity that Florida can generate. I know from experience, you guys have heard me bitch about my one and only trip to Tampa, Florida in 2001 that, um, you know, made me swear off Florida for the rest of my life. It was, it was that bad. 85 and like choke you to death humidity in late November. Screw that, man. How the hell do people retire down there? I do not get that at all. But, um, yeah, it's 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 one of those things with the 49ers. I know they are a talented bunch on paper. They're one of the best teams the NFL has to offer. They just haven't played like it in quite a while uh, at this point. So letting the, 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 the Browns hang around way too long when they're playing with a backup uh, quarterback uh, and everything. It just And I know the Browns' defense is good and everything, but they should have been able to handle the Browns. They should have won that game, and they let it get away from them. And then, like I said, all the self-inflicted wounds against Minnesota, and then just getting flat-out beat up at home by the Bengals uh, before the bye week. Not a good look. So the, the 49ers, for me, are in I'll, I'll see it when I'll believe it when I see it uh, type mode. i got to see them be themselves again before I can start uh, picking them. It's a long-winded way of saying, my confidence points won't be high, but I'm taking the Jaguars to beat the 49ers on Sunday. <laughs> Finally, in the pick six, we got Cleveland at Baltimore. This is a rematch of the week four matchup that, that Baltimore dominated 28-3. Lamar Jackson, four touchdowns in that one, two rushing, two passing uh, in that one. Watson uh, was out with that shoulder injury, and the Browns started rookie Dorian Thompson-Robinson and uh, DTR threw three picks in that one and, uh, you know, made it so much easier for the Ravens to come away uh, with the win in that one. Not that the Ravens need much help with their with their defensive talent uh, and everything, but, you know, when they keep giving the ball back, there's only so much your top-rated, off, your top-rated defense can do when you keep giving the ball back uh, to the offense. The numbers game will go against you uh, eventually, but... Watson is back for this one, and they're looking to redeem themselves on defense from giving up those four touchdowns to Lamar at home. I don't know what the history is for the Browns in in winning games in Baltimore, but they need this one. They do. You know, they're already a game and a half behind. 
Baltimore literally tied with everyone else in the division. The Steelers, Bengals, Browns all at five and three uh, right now. So wins are at a premium when you're, you know, when you're in a division like this one where literally everybody in the division makes the playoffs if the season ends today. So it's like the division winners and the AFC North would make the playoffs if the season ended today. The only reason, the only way to keep that like that is to keep winning. So this is a, a much more important game for the Browns than it is for the Ravens, although I'm sure the Ravens definitely want this one to complete the season sweep to give themselves a two-and-a-half game advantage over uh, the Browns because they have the two wins and the head-to-head advantage uh, as well. And, uh, you know, to get another win at home to kind of keep rolling along. I mean, the Ravens have been, you know, they've won four straight, including two dominant wins over first-place teams. You know, three weeks ago they beat up on the uh, Lions, you know, thirty-eight to six, and then this past Sunday they beat the Seahawks thirty-seven to three. It's like two first-place teams come into town. It's like they never even got off the bus. That's how bad uh, those beatings were, making the Ravens look like the team to beat in the AFC. Because even though the uh, the Chiefs and the Ravens are tied for the best record in the league at seven and two, or in the in AFC anyway. Based on the way these two teams are playing right now, the Ravens look like the better team, or at least they're playing uh, like the stronger team uh, right now. So it's it's a big game for the Ravens. I would say much more important for the uh, Browns to try to keep pace not only with the Ravens, but to try to stay ahead of their other division mates in Pittsburgh and um, Cincinnati. So it'll be interesting to see. How this one uh, turns out, you know, if Watson can step up, because a lot of people are out uh, on Deshaun Watson, the way that he's played um, a couple weeks ago when they played uh, in Indianapolis, that was his first game back. He gets knocked out of the game at one point uh, with concussion symptoms. He clears concussion protocol, but does not go back in the game. He didn't go back in. And, I don't uh, recall what Stefanski said when asked about that. If if he played the uh, played the politics and said, "Hey, we just uh, you know we wanted to protect him, so I held him out," or whatever the situation was, a lot of people think they asked him if he was ready to go back in, and he said no. So we'll have to uh, we'll have to see because right now that a uh, lot of regret going around with the uh, the draft haul that they gave up and the the guaranteed money that the owners were foolish enough to uh, give uh, Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed $230 million uh, contract that has cap hits that are just catastrophic. So I don't even know how the Browns get out of that, even if they they wanted to uh, at this point. But they really need Watson to step up here because the one thing that was greatly missing in their first matchup uh, in week number four, was Cleveland having any semblance whatsoever uh, of an offense. And I know that the Browns haven't exactly been lighting it up uh, on the offensive side uh, of things, but you got to be able to play complementary uh, football. Your defense is playing lights out. 
Uh, they're regarded as one of the top units, if not the top unit in the NFL uh, right now with guys like Denzel Ward and Miles Garrett uh, on the defensive side. And, um, you know, those guys are perennial pro bowlers, and they're playing their best football right now. Uh, Jim Schwartz, uh, who is an outstanding defensive coordinator, has got these guys playing outstanding ball right now. So you got to go on the road. You got to win that tough game uh, against the uh, Ravens. Unfortunately, I don't think that they'll have it this week. Baltimore is just playing too well uh, right now. So give me the Ravens over the Browns on Sunday. So there you have it, guys. The pick six for week number 10. Let's go ahead and wrap things up as we always do with our preview shows with the week number 10 All Out Blitz. All Out Blitz, week number 10. We start in New England, the Colts at the Patriots. The Patriots' offense is one of the worst in the NFL, averaging 15 points a game. The Colts, on the other hand, snapped a three-game losing streak with their best defensive performance of the year last week in Carolina. Give me the Colts over the Patriots. <laughs> New England at, excuse me, New Orleans at Minnesota. The Vikings won their fourth straight on the heels of Josh Dobbs' miraculous performance in Atlanta. Last week's win over Chicago put the Saints in first place, but can they stay there? Have to wait and see, but I like the Vikings on Sunday. <laughs> Green Bay at Pittsburgh. The Packers were able to take advantage of a shorthanded Rams team to snap their four-game losing streak last week. The Steelers are coming off the mini-buy and need a win this week to keep pace in the AFC North. Give me the Steelers over the Packers. <laughs> Tennessee at Tampa Bay. Tampa needs a win in the worst way, having gone 0-4 since coming off the bye. Will Levis was awesome in his debut and then looked like a rookie last week against Pittsburgh. Which one shows up on Sunday? Either way, I still like the Titans. <laughs> Atlanta at Arizona. The Falcons have lost two straight and need a win before heading it into their bye. The Cardinals are getting Kyler Murray back on Sunday, but will he be enough of a spark to get Arizona their second win of the season? I don't think so. Give me the Falcons. <laughs> Detroit at the Chargers. The Chargers look sharp against Chicago and dominant against the Jets these past two weeks. But Detroit is coming off the bye where they look to extend their lead in the AFC North. Give me Detroit over the Chargers. The Giants at the Cowboys. The Giants are broken as it gets, literally and figuratively. The Cowboys were broken last week against Philly and are looking to continue the 40-0 beating they gave the Giants in Week 1. Give me the Cowboys over the G-Men. Washington at Seattle. Even after their fire sale, the Commanders put it together and got a win in New England. The, the Seahawks, on the other hand, got plastered by the Ravens on the road and hope their friendly confines can give them the spark they need to get back on the winning track. Give me the Seahawks over the Commanders. Sunday night football, the Jets at the Raiders. Two weeks ago, I'm taking the Jets to win this one all day. Now I'm not so sure. The Raiders have new life without Josh McDaniels, and that could be enough to get past the Jets on Sunday. Give me the Raiders. Denver at Buffalo Monday night football. The Broncos are coming off the bye and their most impressive win of the season over Kansas City, but they are entering hostile territory in Buffalo and will need to be perfect against the wounded but talented Bills team on Monday. Give me Buffalo over the Broncos. 
And there you have it, guys, the Week 10 All Out Blitz, and that is going to do it for the Week 10 preview episode of the fourth phase. Uh, Come back tomorrow on Friday. I will be back one last time before I take a little mini-buy of my own. Uh, I won't be back until Tuesday when we do the review of the uh, fourth phase. But uh, come back on Friday when I will drop the Week 10 review of the Bears and Panthers after their Thursday night uh, game. Probably be sometime midday uh, on Friday that that one uh, comes out. I'll be recording that one in the morning, so around lunchtime uh, here in the States because I know i got a lot of friends overseas. But uh, So right around dinner time, it should be dropping uh, for you guys uh, overseas. The Week 10 review for the Bears and the Panthers did they did they win another game? Did they get one over on Carolina? Did we improve and hurt our draft stock all at the same time uh, by winning this one, or did we absolutely choke against a one win team? And uh, you know our draft spot improved, but our other one got worse. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a win lose lose win you know kind of thing with the with the draft positioning here. But uh, which team comes away with the win? Tune in on Friday and find out. See if my beloved finally got another, got a win to match their win total for the season uh, last year uh, and get their third win. So come back on Friday for Bears Panthers review. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the fourth phase. We will see you next time.